Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Justin Cook. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I've actually just returned from two weeks of holiday, so I'm better than I have been in a really long time. Oh, goodness. What a what a treat. What a delight. I can't even remember what a holiday's like. I can't remember either. It was a staycation holiday, which is still a holiday. Um, mm-hmm. And um, one of the, if I can say, one of the good things about the last year is we've managed to explore parts of the UK that we never saw before. So I've just been in Devon and Wales. It was lovely. Very remote. And actually, I was looking forward to coming back to London to the hustle and bustle and back to work, which I think is a marker of success on a holiday as far as I'm concerned. That's how you know you've had a good holiday when you don't, when you actually, the second, the penultimate day, you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to get back. I'm so re-energised. Yeah, I Um, I don't know if it was that or also that I've had two weeks with my toddler and no childcare. So it was actually (laughs) escaping from that as well. (laughs) <laughs> I see. Right now, you are joining me because you um, are going to share your feel-good habits. And for the listeners who maybe don't know, Justine is a consultant dermatologist. She's one of the biggest names in skin, and she's one of the authorities that I follow on Instagram and trust for really incredible skin advice. Not just skincare, but skin advice. Thank you, Emma. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> I don't think of myself that way. I'm certainly not considered that way in my household, but it's very nice for you, of you to say that. Well, it's how you are. It's how you're spoken about. Oh, thank you. It's if you want good, reliable, no nonsense, go to Justine. But you are sharing your feel good habits. So um, we know that you've been on holiday. Maybe that's a feel good habit or where are we going to begin? Well, um, I've, I've got some sort of worky related ones and some not so worky related ones. And Excellent. I thought if I start my feel good habits with a work related one, people are going to think I'm bonkers. So I think I'm going to keep that one uh, uh, for last. Um, I think I've actually, if you asked me this question 18 months ago before the pandemic, probably the answers would have been really different. Um, right. And I think there've been some new habits I developed over the last year and a half that um, have helped keep me I think happy and balanced and um, um, so these are the ones I'm going to share with you. The first one is something I've just finished now before um, I joined you uh, on this podcast. So it's it's exercise. Um, yes. I know something that you're into as well because I'm following you closely on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but before the pandemic, I worked like a crazy woman uh, every day in the clinic and I would make time to go spinning on a Saturday morning and Sunday morning and that was my like outlet my sort of time to switch off Uh, absolutely loved it found it really energizing and then you know March 2020 impossible to go spinning Um, and I think Peloton wasn't even really a thing that I thought about then so I didn't do that Um, and but I booked a personal trainer two times a week on Zoom, which is not something, it's a luxury and it's not something I'd ever um, thought about doing previously. But I thought unless I timetable um, exercise mm-hmm. and I'm accountable to someone, so I have to show up to do it, I'm going to otherwise find that I'm going to be sitting doing Zoom calls with patients all day. Um, so I built that into my schedule and I started off doing two hours a week. And it has been absolutely brilliant for me. Um, I think I had a sort of bit of context to this is that I had a baby uh, in 
May 2019 um, and just hadn't really got back into exercise very much after having my baby. I sort of went back to work three months uh, after she was born mm. and that was quite a big adjustment. I, I remember people saying to me before I went back to work, are you mad? You're going to go back to work three months after having a baby? And I was like, oh no, it'd be fine. I just thought life was going to be the same plus baby and it wasn't. So I hadn't had made time for exercise that the pandemic forced me to do that and that's been absolutely amazing. I found myself getting fitter. I had something to do that took my mind off everything else that was going on. I could see my progress, uh, you know, week on week. And um, that's been something that's made me feel really good because I've got more energy. I feel like I'm doing something healthy. It's my sort of mindfulness, if you like, uh, my time for mindfulness. And I've kept it up. And that's something I feel really good about because with any other uh, sort of exercise routine or schedule I've done in the past, I've always, you know, entered it with gusto and then kind of burnt out after a while um but this i've kept going so that's that's something i feel really chuffed about um and actually one of the challenges now that work is shifting a bit um you know since life has opened up again and i'm doing a little bit more time in clinic and a bit a little bit less time remote consulting and now trying to shuffle my uh, zoom sessions um so that i still keep them going otherwise um you know, just, uh, I don't want to let that go by the wayside. Yeah, it's such a good thing, exercise. I think one can get quite focused on results and those sorts of things. And actually the thing I like to focus on, which I think makes it far more achievable and accessible is thinking it's a decision I'm going to make today that I know will make me feel good. Yeah. Like the work that it sort of, without getting all complicated in how it makes your body look or how it's just, it's a decision I'm making for me isn't that great yeah exactly and I think for me it's a nice perk if uh if my clothes fit more you know fit better or what have you but that's not really the reason to do it it's just the um that's not the main reason to do it I feel like it's a healthy habit and that makes me feel really good about it. I get lots of sort of um uh what's the word pats on the back uh to myself for doing something healthy and then if I you know if I want to eat whatever I want to eat and I want to drink whatever I want to drink I also I feel like it offsets it a little bit and that makes me feel good um Mm. so um so exercise has been something that's been really important I'm hoping that I actually haven't been into a gym since March last year um I'm hoping that I will get back to spinning because it was something I really loved. Unfortunately, the studio I used to go to, um, and I know she'll be listening, my lovely instructor, um, it's closed down because um, business was so bad over the last year. And um, um, so I was desperate to go back to that studio, but I'll have to find another way of getting into spinning again uh, at some point. One thing at a time, though. (laughs) Yeah, one of the last classes I went to before everything shut down was with Jules von Hepp. We went for a spin and it was so good. And I was saying to him the other day, do you think, how long do you reckon before we can go back? It's not a case of whether they're open or not. It's whether one feels comfortable. It's Mm. that sort of everyone's finding their feet. Well, that's a great first habit. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) I I don't want to rush you to the end, but I want to know what the bonkers work habit is. But let's let's ease our way towards it. What's habit number two? Uh, Habit number two is... um, date time um so one of the things that um i really missed um after the pandemic started was like fun time like going out with my husband um so you know having had a baby a year before the pandemic um you know, our social life took a little bit of a knock. Um, so, um, you know, not sleeping. And um, and I had really been looking forward to, you know, um, a baby was in a better routine and I'd, you know, settled back in at work. And I would, yeah, I was really looking forward to going out and seeing our friends again and doing fun things. And then the pandemic happened. 
Um, and you find yourself just sort of subsumed by like domestic stuff in the house, like talking about the kids and, you know, who's making dinner tonight. And then, you know, um, last year there was a sort of, I'm going to be doing consultations with patients today. Can you look after our baby and all of this sort of stuff? And then you just sort of su suddenly think, well, where's the fun bit? Um, we found ourselves sitting on our laptops next to each other in the evening, like catching up on our emails or like watching a program next to each other. And so we decided like we need to have a date night, even if we can't leave the house. Um, and there's actually a really brilliant book. I don't know if, if um, uh, anyone else would be interested. It's called something like Seven Dates. Um, and um, basically, it's just like we would go to the top of the house. We have a lovely room that no one ever goes to. So it kind of felt like we were somewhere, somewhere different. It's got a lovely view over London. We just stick a picnic blanket down there. Um, you know, take food up with us, make cocktails or I don't know, order delivery, whatever it was and, and put some music on. And basically that was like our little escape. And um, that's something that we kept going um, throughout um, throughout the sort of last year or so. Um, so, you know, making sure that even if we weren't able to go out and do something fun, the two of us um, could have our date night at home. And um, now that we can go out again, um, we sort of do that in the more traditional, um, traditional way. But that's something that, um, you know, sometimes you just fall into a pattern and you're like, I don't even know how we got there. But like, we're not doing anything fun. Like, I, I kind of feel like the last year and a half was life with all the fun bits sucked out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, just basically working and, and domestic stuff, childcare for me. So, um, so that was um, something that um, I found really helpful. We also made sure, you know, in the, in the first lockdown, we would go out for a walk every afternoon and then actually as as the sort of new normal became the new normal we stopped doing that uh, and then we found that some days we wouldn't leave the house for a few days and that's just super you know miserable so one mm. of the other things we've done my husband and I is have like a date walk <laughs> uh, once a week so like on Tuesday at 2 p.m like it's it's non-negotiable the two of us don't book any meetings I have no patience and we just go for a walk together for an hour. Um, and um, so that's one of my other feel good habits, basically just like making time for, for, for dates with my, with my husband. That's really nice. And you are right about the fun being sucked out because I think, because we, it was that weird thing, wasn't it? Where we gained so much time because we weren't commuting and well, a lot of people weren't commuting. Um, and it was like, what do I do with that time? And it, I think it's one of the, those, uh, sayings isn't it the task will fill the time that you give it if you just kind of there was so much rolling time and so much blank space in the diary that little things started to fill a weekend like yeah housework would fill a weekend whereas if you were busy you would do the housework before you went out and it would take you I don't know half an hour 45 minutes exactly I think I've heard so many talk about that so many people talk about this um uh, over the you know over the last year and a half or so which is that the sort of lack of boundaries because mm. um you know if you were going into work you would leave the office or in my case, leave the hospital or the clinic at the end of the day. And that sort of marked the end of the day. And you might say, okay, there's a couple of things I want to check in my email later, but you would effectively be closing the day. Most yeah. of us would anyway. And I think um, I certainly found that working from home, I'd think, well, I don't have to commute home. Um, I can just add on an extra patient to the end of the clinic. And then that would become two or three or four, or I will just do my admin now, or as you say, and then you just find that um, you would do that, eat dinner, I don't know, watch telly, whatever the case would be. And then like, that would be the day over. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it sounds very, and now that I say it out loud, it's like timetabling fun sounds terrible. But I think basically it's making sure you ring fence time for, for fun is what I was saying. 
Do you know what is funny? I just finished reading a book and it's it's quite specific about digital content creation, but it, it talks about creating tasks and how to maximize your week. And I just started using one of the tips from it, which is just put down everything in your diary. And I use my computer diary because I haven't, there's been paper diaries just felt a bit redundant for the last 18 months. So, and I color code it and it's literally like workout, what workout am I doing? So 7am, Gillian Michaels, Body Revolution, day three, and I'll write it all in and I'll block it all out. And it's amazing, even today, I've been doing it for three weeks. We're chatting, listeners, at just after 11 o'clock. And normally I would have sort of been like, oh, I've got the whole day ahead of me. I've got lots to do. I'll get it done, I'm sure. I've done four of the things that I need to do today already. They are all ticked off and ready to go. And I'm like, I didn't know I had this ability in me. Yeah, you said, like, I'm so productive. Mm. I, I remember uh, one of my great friends who's also a dermatologist. I think she's superwoman. We used to um, share an office together. And she's one of those women who just, you know, she does everything. She's brilliant at her job. She is an ace tennis player. She's, like, on every committee you can think of. She's, like, into art. She's cultured. And I always think, how does she have time to do all of this stuff? But what I realized is she basically says, you know, whatever it is, Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings, I play tennis. It's non-negotiable. Like I'm not booking anything else into that time. There's nothing that's going to creep into that time. That's my time to do it. And so she gets it done. I've always like prioritize everything else above myself. So yeah. patients, family, parents, kids, whatever, uh, friends. And then that means that eventually you realize actually like there's no time to do the things I want to do. And unless you just sort of have the boundaries and say, these are the times that I'm doing my thing. Sorry, I can't change it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not totally inflexible, but, but um, you know, just try to be a bit more rigorous about that. Then actually you find I can get these things done. And as you said, you can sort of, you find you, you can be really productive because you are doing the things that you want to do and you need to do uh, before things that just sort of seep into everything else. You mentioned inflexibility there. And I was just thinking as you were speaking, I've always thought, well, I'm really flexible. And I remember friends used to say to me, oh, we'll work around us because we've got kids. We've got all this and I'm single and work for myself. So that, oh, we'll just we'll tell you when it's happening and you'll just come because you'll be able to make it work. Right. Oh. And so I just got into a really bit that bad habit of because I have I do have a lot of freedom. I got into that habit of then being too flexible where actually I ended up wasting my time and that I can't stand. No, absolutely. And you feel like, what is wrong with saying my time is valuable and mm. and time for me is is valuable? Um, you know, it's interesting. Even then, and you're in answering you as apologizing for myself, saying I'm not completely inflexible. I think we feel bad if we're not accommodating, but sometimes we have to, you know, we are important too. Um, one of my patients was saying to me yesterday, she said, I've finally moved out of my parents' home. She's been looking after them for the last year. She said, I feel so much better. And it, it made me think about... Um, my husband always says this to me on the on a flight they say to you, you've got to put your oxygen mask on first before you look after you know before you deal with anyone else and I said this to my patient yesterday she's like you're quite right doctor and I was thinking to myself we always feel like we're the lowest of our priorities we look after mm -hmm. everyone else and uh, and then we think of ourselves last and then we wonder why we can't get it all done so anyway I think we have to prioritize ourselves yeah, I think I've think gone off on a tangent a little bit there, but um, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, and there's a part of me that's like, right, well, let's unpick that. Maybe come on a main show and let's talk about that. Because I do think it's something I still really struggle with to the point where, and this is such a terrible admission, if I'm with people, if I've met people socially and they say, oh, I've got to go at five, there's a part of me that feels wounded because I will, if I'm seeing somebody in the afternoon, that's probably my only thing because I want to give them my full attention. I feel terrible if I'm watching the clock. So yeah. I need to get better at having several things to go to. 
I, I totally understand it as well. I sort of, if I'm doing something, I'm in it fully. So I could totally understand the sort of feeling spent. Like, what, you don't want to spend a few minutes more with me after five o'clock? <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I totally get that. I'm like, I'm like that too. If I sort of make myself available, then I'm, I'm in it wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% the same. Okay, we'll have to talk about that another time. Where are we for habit number three? So I'm going to try it. I have seven habits, but I, I'm going to distill them into five. So I've got to sort of be choosy here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say hugs is <laughs> feel good habit number three. So um, basically just time with people who make you feel really good. So I'm going to sort mm-hmm. of put that under hugs. I took my daughter to London Zoo on Saturday morning for the first time. And um, she was absolutely fascinated with the penguins. And she was like, she was like jumping around. She was shrieking with joy. She was like hopping from one foot to the other. Like everyone who was standing there watching was like, oh my God, she's so cute. Like I, I WhatsApp the video to like all of my family. My sister-in-law said, I hope I'm one day as happy about anything as Anna, mm-hmm. who's my daughter, is as, is as happy about those penguins. And I was just thinking, I felt so... Um, seeing her happiness just at something silly like seeing penguins just made me feel so good and um, I have to say I didn't take to motherhood like a duck to water I found it quite difficult Um, and I absolutely adore my daughter and I'm really actually enjoying this age so she's now two and I get loads and loads and loads of pleasure and happiness from like seeing her happiness about you know these silly little things and you know, just every day, like, what new word is she going to say? Um, she's doing all these sort of cute things. Like, we were um, visiting friends on Sunday and their kids are a little bit older and she was, like, copying them dancing and I sort of, you know, got a video of her doing all the moves. And um, so hugs with my little girl and times with my little girl make me feel really happy. And I think particularly because um, I've found the first year of motherhood really challenging and I'm really mm. enjoying it now so I think part of that for me is thinking okay you're, you're okay at this you're doing okay um and um and now finally you know really enjoying motherhood oh that's lovely yeah I think I'm, I'm one of those people who likes to be good at everything I think I'm a I'm definitely a perfectionist um and it's really hard to be a perfectionist it's really hard to be a perfect mother (laughs) um Mm. I think it's really hard to be a perfect anything but uh, particularly really hard to be a perfect mother um and it sounds like such a crazy thing to say but I do remember you know shortly after having my baby thinking gosh this is really hard and I had when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply no idea how hard it was and 
part of me was thinking, how could I have been so oblivious as to how hard this was? Because I know so many people who are mums, like, you know, the sort of third most universal experience after being born and dying is, is having a child. Um, and I just thought, have I just not listened to my friend? Like my friends all had kids like 10 years before me. I and my sister's got a child. She thought, did I just not listen to people? What, did I have no empathy? But it was really hard. Actually, I know that's not true of everyone. Some people take like it, you know, to take to it like a duck to water, but definitely wasn't me. And I'm not someone who tolerates not doing things well. Um, so yeah, I think it's been a bit of a journey for me. And actually, um, so getting lots of pleasure out of spending time with my little girl now makes me feel really good. So you went on an internal spiral of why am I not able to do what I normally do with things that I am not naturally good at with this yeah I th yeah I think it was a combination of being unrealistic about how my life was going to change after having a child um you know as I said a little bit earlier I, I basically just thought my life is going to be exactly the same apart from I was going to have a child but I didn't realize that you know, life changes completely and my identity changed, my, you know, my body changed, the way I was able to work changed. I'm kind of person who would, you know, pack as much as I could into any day. And I would find that, you know, the only, my only time for working was when the baby was sleeping. But actually, you know, the baby wasn't sleeping an awful lot and I needed to sleep too. And I was just like, how do I do all of this? I couldn't work out how to fit it all together. It took a really long time for things to click into place. Um, and for me really to accept that life was going to be different uh, and not just for a short period of time, for a really long time. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, it, it has definitely been a bit of an internal journey for me. Um, and as I said, it's, I'm now in, in sort of in a really good place with it, but it took it took a really long time. And I think for someone who expects to do things well, I found that quite hard. That is, but you're right, hugs and yeah. And also I guess it must feel, um, does it feel all the more enjoyable because you know that there's been a bit of turbulence in order to reach this cruising altitude? Yeah, I think so. Don't get me wrong; it's definitely not cruising altitude at the moment. Like one of the, well, you know, is that was you get used to one stage and then they do something different or their needs change and then you have to basically step up again. And I think the point is you have to be, you have to just learn to be adaptable, to go with a flow, to um, to be flexible. And I think for someone who likes to be sort of on top of things and plan ahead and be in control, I think that's that was sort of one of the, the um, challenges for me. But yeah, it feels like. Um, I'm finally accepting that this is how things are going to go. I think the other thing that was really um, a revelation to me was that I actually I'm a stepmom. So I've, I've got my two year old, but I'm a stepmom to a 13 year old who's been in my life since he was eight. Um, and he's with us um, half the time and with his mum half the time. And I, my husband is a, like a super awesome dad. It's one of the reasons why I adored him uh, 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 immediately. I loved how he was with his son, but I, he basically, looked after his son mainly and I you know fed him and uh and did all the other things at home but um I, he made it look easy if you see what I mean and I I just kind of assumed that it was going to be easy like I can do this and mm. and um yeah I guess the needs of an eight-year-old and older are different to the needs of a newborn so that was a little bit of a shock but yeah I um I I, I just I think I was caught unprepared <laughs> it's fair to say so yeah I think pleasure from my from spending time with my daughter is something that makes me feel really good now 
That's a lovely one. Where are we for habit number four? Okay, so you'll be pleased to know I'm going back towards um, sort of skin um, uh, and beauty. <laughs> so one of the things that I always knew made me feel good, but, the, but um, you know, time during the pandemic has really um, solidified that for me is um, beauty. So, so things like having my hair done, having my nails done, um, I was so sick by, you know, already by April last year of, you know, my hair looking like a mess. My, you know, I, I bought nail polish, loads of nail polish at the beginning of the pandemic. I thought I'm going to just do my own nails all the time. And of course, you know, I did it once. And then I was like so sick of like walking around, waving my hands in the air, waiting for the polish to dry before I could get on and do something else. That, that never happened again. Um, and I sort of kept up with my skincare routine. Of course, I always do that, and I probably spent more time doing it. And I like most of um, most of the people I speak to spend a lot more time, you know, uh, having the time to do my routine because that was my own time where I could sort of escape from everywhere else. But it's been really, really nice going back and seeing my hairdresser and having my nails done again, just feeling nice and feeling like I look nice, feeling done. Mm. Um, also, just missing the people. Um, I, there was a time where I might have gone to my hairdresser once a week to have a blow dry in the past and um, uh, my hair's basically been tied back in a bun um, for, for most of the last two years now. Um, so that has been, that's something that definitely makes me feel really good. And I'm taking full advantage of like every single um, uh, <laughs> beauty and feel good service I can, um, I can get my hands on at the moment. Like I've had massages and facials in the last few weeks. I'm, you know, getting my nails done and getting my hair done, you know, whenever I can. It's just, um, um, I feel like I, I, um, I feel like me again. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely thing to do, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to be able to do, is to sort of it's showing yourself some care. But there is this, that's why it was so heartbreaking what happened in with beauty and with it being so slow to open up again is the people, the people who look after you. Like I had my I went for my first hair appointment in over a year on Friday, and the. Uh, uh, the lovely girl Lisa who was washing my hair was like would you like a head massage and I always say no because I really can't stand fuss and nonsense and I went um actually yes please <laughs> <laughs> because it was so nice to have I to have a head massage for the first time in however long do you know head massages now that you say that always make me feel a little bit funny I always feel like is it a little bit too intimate I'm not sure I always feel like <laughs> should I talk during the head massage does that like am I the only one feeling awkward here I don't know something about a head I'm happy to like book myself in for a massage and don't feel awkward about it for a moment but it's always at the hairdresser when I'm offered a head massage I always feel like do they think I'm enjoying this too much uh, <laughs> I, th I think probably because because um uh uh I I don't know. I probably I do always look like I'm going to fall asleep. It's probably like... I, yeah, I, same. <laughs> My jaw goes. And it's like, oh. <laughs> like one, you know, one uh, second of uh, snoring. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, is a, it is a really lovely thing to do. So I have... Um, I'm definitely not having a, a blow dry once a week anymore. I, but, you know making time to get my highlights done and get my hair cut when it's due and that sort of thing is definitely making me feel very happy. Definitely, yes. I mean, I have always done my own nails. I think in my job, and I think it was just a, really indicates how little money I had, but I used to be so lucky because I would go as a beauty editor to the best appointments 
uh, best hairdressers, best manicurists, best everything. And I would just watch them and then try and recreate it at home. And I've never fallen out of that habit. It still feels unbelievably indulgent to go and have a professional service. I still really struggle with it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it, it is indulgent. Um, uh, I, I recognise that. And I think there are sort of... There are, I feel like I work really hard and I, as I'm sure lots of people do, and there are, you know, with the money that I earn, there are things that I will prioritize yeah. what I, what I spend on. And, um, you know, certainly, um, things like having my nails done and, and having my hair done are the things that I prioritize over lots of other things because they make me feel really, uh, really good. So, um, uh, I, I, I'm definitely not sort of splashy about, uh, no, no, about I just it. mean it. Yeah. It's weird given my job that I, um, still have the mindset of the, it's, I think, you know, they say famous people, their, their development is arrested the age at which they become famous. So if they become famous as a child, they're still somewhat childlike. I think I have a similar theory about how you are professionally based on where your what your income was like when you start in beauty. You, I still I could never buy some of the things that would that get sent to me because oh. I still have this thing of my instant thing is gosh that's a lot of money because I haven't haven't had that development time if you like no I think that makes that makes a lot of sense um I I think I I still feel that way about a lot of the beauty products um that um uh are available uh there and you know when I'm recommending products to um to patients in the clinic um I'm sort of very mindful that and people come with all sorts of different budgets but I'm like Mm. you know I'll say this antioxidant I won't name names is my absolute favorite but I know that you (laughs) know you I can guess it (laughs) of course you can I know that for like many many years that was something I would really covet and there's absolutely no way on Mm. earth on a junior doctor salary or medical student salary that I was ever going to be able to afford that product and I remember the British Association of Dermatologists has an annual conference and that particular brand would be there and exhibit every year and they'd give away little samples and the queue uh, of dermatologists for that little uh, sample is like gold dust this stuff um so yeah i, I understand the, the point that you're making there so n- nowadays you know often the brand will send me a product and um I will occasionally treat myself to it when I'm, you know, when I'm running out and in between times. But I, I am still very mindful. To me, it is still a very expensive yeah. product. I haven't lost sight of that. Yeah, um, it's funny how you kind of get sort of stuck in a gear about certain things. Right. I want to hear this fifth bonkers habit. So it's not bonkers. I think it's it's mainly just bonkers <laughs> because it's a work, you know, a work related one. But I think doing something I really love as a job is mm. is what I would say is my um, fifth feel good habit. Um, something really stuck with me, um, when I was training to be a a doctor, um, and we were talking about which specialty to do. And, um, one of my mentors said to me, remember, you're going to be doing this job for 40 or 50 years. I mean, the sort of decades increase, like retirement age keeps on increasing, doesn't it? (laughs) 40 or 50 years. Um, how are you going to motivate yourself to keep doing this job for all of that time and still feel um, as um, sort of excited about it because patients know if you're not excited about your job Mm. or if you're not enthusiastic or if your heart's not really in it. People can detect that immediately. So how are you going to keep yourself motivated? And I was always really clear I wanted to um, be a dermatologist. 
I had acne, I've talked about this quite a lot, I had acne myself as a child and as a teenager. It had a profound impact on me. I felt guilty about feeling bad about it because my acne was never, in inverted commas, terrible. But we now know that severity of acne doesn't correlate with how bad it makes you feel. But I, I was always really clear I wanted to be a dermatologist because I had a brilliant dermatologist and I thought if I can make other people you know, feel as good about their skin as I, I do having had the treatment, that's what I want to do. And then after becoming a dermatologist, and I worked in general dermatology um, for for several years, I then set up a private practice and I was offering treatment for all sort of skin conditions to start off with, some medical, some cosmetic. And I sort of then started to find myself treating more and more acne and less and less of other things. Um, and I think that's for two reasons. Firstly, I sort of really feel a connection with patients who come to me for treatment with their acne because um, I, you know, I've been there myself and I can, I can, you know, I feel, feel lots of empathy. I think a lot of people have been sort of, um, you know, their concerns have been poo-pooed or diminished. It's, you know, mm. it's a rite of passage. It's something everyone has to go through. 90% of people get acne. It's not serious. These are the sort of things they hear. So I think I uh, sort of, I gravitated towards these people. And then I think they gravitated towards me. And over a period of time, the number of patients I was seeing with acne increased and increased. And then, you know, people would send their friends to me because they'd had a, you know, good experience or found me helpful. And, um, and so I kind of, find myself mainly spending my time treating acne and actually um this has increased sort of the sort of trend has increased further in the last year and a half um uh, during the pandemic as well I, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what the reason for that is um you know some would say maybe acne flared up more because of stress i think maybe people had more time to think about their, mm-hmm. their skin or or i guess some people didn't some people didn't but maybe if things were bothering people for a long time they decided now there's you know uh, it's time to uh think about getting on top of this anyway so i feel like um i really love my job i get so much fulfillment and satisfaction from um from helping people particularly people who have acne um and so that's really my my sort of fifth feel, feel good habit someone once said I don't know who it was, probably someone very famous who I don't know, that if you do a job you love, you never work a day in your life. And of course, that's not true. Even if you love your job, you've got to work really hard at it. And it is really hard work um, uh, being a doctor. It's stressful. It's very hard not to take your work home. People stay with you even after they've left the clinic. You sort of mull things over. You agonize, have I done the right thing? Um, But... um, yeah, the sense of satisfaction when someone comes back and says, you know, I feel, you know, I haven't felt this good about myself for ages. I don't have to wear makeup now. People are complimenting me on my skin. I don't have to wake up every morning and spend ages, you know, covering up, etc. And that I, I feel like, you know, I do like a silent hooray. Sometimes I even do it an out loud hooray. But um, <laughs> you know, that, it, it, I think that makes me feel really good. And it, mot- it really is very motivating. And that's uh, how you know it'll still be the job that you want to do in 10, 20, 30 years? I hope so. And I guess also things will evolve over time. And I don't expect what, you know, my working day looks like or my working week will be exactly the same in 20 or 30 years time. I think it will change. My interests might evolve further. I might specialise even further. Mm. I don't know, might widen out again. I don't know. But but, um, for now, this this is something that... um, I just, I really just love doing it. Um, so um, I hope that continues. These have been lovely habits, Justine. Thank you. I've really enjoyed them. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, uh, you know, one thinks 
do I do five things that make me feel good? And what what actually are they? Sometimes you're just doing these things all the time and you can't actually just tease them out. But um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they were interesting. They're wonderful. And so listeners, the links to everything that we have discussed will be in the show notes. And obviously, uh, those show notes will also include where you can find Justine on Instagram. And if you do want to speak to her about your acne or any questions, then the links to her website and how to contact her will be in there too. But thanks for coming on the show, Justine. It's been lovely to chat. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. 